Welcome back. It's July 15, 2022. This is Season 13, Episode 6 of the Soybean Pest Podcast. Good afternoon, Aaron. Hi, Matt. How you doing? I'm tired. Aw. It was a long, a long extension week. You do a lot of talking this week? So much talking. Yeah, it was all about rootworms. Rootworms? That's not a soybean pest. I know. Do you do pests of corn and soybeans? For my job, yeah, my extension job. Wow, you are worldwide, or at least Iowa-wide. Statewide, yeah. Statewide. Double-wide? Hey. Coast to coast? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, should we do our usual routine? You want to start with some pest roundup? What would sure. you hear while you're out there in the fields talking to the good people of Iowa about rootworms? What would you see? Mm, they're really mad about Japanese beetles and grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. Oh, that's a new one. Mm-hmm. What's going on with the grasshoppers? They're just out and about doing their thing, chomping yeah. away, making people mad. Stupid grasshoppers. Is that a common pest for us? Um, common as in you can see them every summer, yes. Um, we have a couple different species here. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess most of them would overwinter as an egg. Uh, but there are some that I think they can overwinter as um, nymphs, and so they start feeding right away. So just noticing a variety of sizes, a couple different species. I mostly think about them feeding on edge rows, you know, like the first 20 rows or so, causing some irregular notching on leaves, you know, indirect injury to corn and soybean. Uh, Maybe later on when ears are forming on corn, they can feed on the ear itself. But yeah, um, especially like droughty areas, I think they can become more of a pest, but just people are noticing them. Yeah, I, I've heard some reports out of the Dakotas, especially when the drought was really intense over the last uh, couple of years of concerns that they were losing yield to grasshoppers, both in corn and soybeans. But my sense is that we don't have the dry conditions that would drive grasshoppers to feed as extensively as they were further in the north um, down here. But I don't know. We've got some parts of northwest Iowa that are uh, been in a drought for quite a while now. Do you think yep. they might have a need for insecticide applications to manage that type of injury? Uh, I didn't really see anything that I thought warranted action. I just, as you're walking through scouting fields, of course, they just kind of pop up in your face. So I think people are just noticing them because they're so active. Yeah. Oh, anything else? Um, well, yeah, Japanese beetle. I mean, it's, it's out and about. I've seen some really high numbers like beetles per plant on things like milkweed, even some hostas, um, some soybean, you know, how they aggregate. And so just seeing large numbers. And I think people get concerned when they see, especially again, on the edge rows, they see just a lot of really mobile, flashy insects. Yeah. Um, in terms of damage to soybeans, mostly that's going to be defoliation. And that might be coupled with some other defoliators like grasshoppers that might be out. Um, and I know we're the Soybean Pest Podcast, but I'm just wondering about in corn. Um, I haven't been out in any cornfields. I'm curious if we're at a stage where silk clipping might be an issue. 
from the Japanese? Uh, I haven't seen any silks yet for my tour around the state the last two weeks, but I was starting to see some fields that were tasseling. So silks will be out there shortly. So yeah, um, that is a concern to have silks out after you have pests like Japanese beetle, corn rootworm, grasshoppers, all those that can clip back and, inter- and, and interfere with pollination. Do you think that will be uh, exacerbated by the anticipated dry uh, late July and August that we're, at least I've heard some predictions of going forward? Uh, yes, and I think the pollination period is shorter when it's really, really dry. So you have a shorter window of time. And if you're having silk clipping at the same time, I think maybe you could run into some problems. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to scout to see. And I think we've nailed it. We've got into uh, about 10 minutes and we've had our first recommendation for scouting. So <laughs> I think we have a contractual obligation as field crop entomologists to encourage our listener to scout. Yeah, I think otherwise, if people are looking hard in northern Iowa, I think they can find in soybean aphid or two small, small colonies on plants, but so far nothing to get excited about. Uh, bean leaf beetles kind of in a transition period between generations, so they are harder to find right now. Uh, I am hearing also about the same thing with soybean gall midge, that the, the, um, the kind of in-between generations, and so there are infested plants, obviously infested, but they're not seeing larvae anymore. I think they've dropped to the ground to pupate. So as people are trying to find either positive detections or new detections in, in areas they may not be finding larvae, but they might may find evidence of their feeding. So that's happening in western Iowa. And then it's really easy to find just a potpourri of green caterpillars in soybean. I mean, I think if you're sweeping, you know, you get the usual suspects, but again, pretty low levels, nothing to be too excited about. So a little bit of a calm before the storm here. If uh, we're going to have problems getting into August with the next generation of some of our pests, I'm not sure if it'll be a storm or a sprinkle. You never know. And this is why we recommend what? Scout. There you go. <laughs> Can't, know and often. You... Can't know unless you look. All right. Any other pest roundup info we want to chat about? Um, those are the big ones in soybean, unless uh, you've heard something. Not really. Um uh, yeah, just kind of dead air on my end. We, we've gone out and we're, you know, we've got some experiments that are uh, starting in earnest with scouting uh, aphids, looking for those that might be resistant to insecticide, you know, checking our markers. But what I'm hearing is the same thing you're hearing from our crew, that they can find aphids, but it's like they can find a plant that's infested. And Paige Hollenberg, our... Um, undergraduate intern said, you know, she could see the plant that was infested with aphids because it had ants on it, which is a pretty consistent sign of a population that's being tended by ants. And it's probably been there for a bit, but hasn't really spread much beyond, you know, a small patch that may be just a single plant. So yeah, a little bit quiet, but I, you know, it's still early in the season. I expect we, you know, there's opportunities for us to hear of, outbreaks and maybe some unusual things going forward. So, yep, keep scouting. Any other updates or 
stuff to look forward to in the future? You, have you wrapped up your midsummer extension duties? Uh, no, I have quite a few more events on the calendar. Of course, July and August are like the peak times to show off demonstrations, especially when it comes to corn rootworm. But yeah, it's a busy time. I mean, it, it kind of ends the season with a farm progress show, which is in Iowa this year. And it's at Boone, which is just west of Ames. And there's going to be a booth or a table focused on plant health for the first time. So it'll be oh, the nice. pathologists and entomologists. I assume our listener, if they wanted to, could track you down on one of those days and find I'll be you. Either the first hospital. day and the third day. First and third. All right. Well, you heard it here first. When is the first day? Of the Farm Progress Show. It's in August. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's the last week of the month. Yeah, that, that seems about right. My, my memory is when it's hosted in Iowa, it usually falls around the first or second week of classes. It's kind of a challenge to get out to it while also hitting your marks with you know, classes. And yeah, it's August 30th, 31st, and September 1st. Yeah. And, and classes on campus start on August 22nd. So nice. Yeah. All right. Well, you ready for a fun insect trivia question? Sure. I've got two today. Uh, actually, I've only got one insect trivia question, but I've got another just uh, general trivia question that maybe we could use this as a warm up. You know, kind of stretch your brain out a little bit before we get to the insect part of the trivia questions. Okay. All right. Um, have you been to YouTube lately? Uh, all I do is make YouTube videos. Why? Well, uh, you might have seen advertisements for uh, the celebration of the billion viewed videos. No. Okay. So uh, here's a little trivia. 317 music videos have reached the billion view mark. I got two questions for you in this category. Number one, what was the first music video to receive uh, a billion views? Michael Jackson's uh, Beat It? Not a, bad, not a bad guess, but uh, the, the first billion viewed video. Queen? No, was not out of the United States. Mm. Let's say this one had a certain style. Had a certain style? That's helpful. Um. Oh, oh, oh. Men at work? I don't know. Gangnam Style. Oh. By Psy. Yeah. I think I'm pronouncing it right. I hope so. No offense to our first billion viewed music video singer created. Really? Yeah. But... Psy is not the one with the most views. Do you know the song that has the most views on YouTube? Is it that Cyrus slash country little Nass, whatever that mashup was? Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, you do. No, I, I don't think I do. What's, what's um, Miley... Cyrus's dad, the Billy Ray, the mullet Billy, guy. Yeah, yeah. Did he do like a song with a rapper that they did like a old country for men? I don't know what it was. It was like a 
country rap mashup? No? Um, they may have, but that's not the answer. Okay. Um, uh, again, the Elliot's work it. I, I don't uh, know. If only, if only. Yeah. Don't know. Sorry. Don't man. have enough Missy Elliott in my life. That's for sure. Mm-mm. Can't get enough. Um, I'll give you one hint. Uh, again, this is, uh, uh, an artist that is, um, not, uh, based not originally f- from the continental United States. Yeah, that's a long pause there. Okay. Uh, Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, no clue from the continental. It's Hawaiian. May, no, uh, our, maybe our listener knows. I bet our listener knows. Uh, Louis Fonzi. Again, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. Uh, Puerto Rican singer, uh, known for the song that has the most views on YouTube, Despacito. Boy, that's a not ringing any bells. No bells. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that was just a warm up to our fun insect trivia. This is one you can play along with at home. I'm going to read out three common names. And the question is, what do these three common names have in common? Three common names for insects. All right. First one. You ready for this one? Tomato fruit worm. And Aaron, if you, if you think you know the answer, drop it in the chat. I'm going to say the three here. And so tomato fruit worm. Second one is, oh, and Aaron just nailed it right out the block. Nice job. Okay, so tomato fruit worm. Second one is cotton bollworm. And the third one is corn earworm. What do those three things have in common? And Aaron noted this in the chat. Did you pull a muscle answering that one so quickly? You're what? getting kind of predictable, Matt. Oh. Shake it. If I can guess it on the first of three clues, come on, Matt. I don't think you guessed it. I think you know this. Heliocaverpazea is the thing that all of those three common names have in common. Uh, they are all common names for the same species, which... I think they're all ESA-approved common names, too. Oh, that's interesting. That is very interesting, because I would have thought ESA, when choosing a common name, would have chosen one, but this is a polyphagous pest, meaning it feeds on a variety of plants, and depending upon what crop you're growing this pest could be feeding on that uh, crop. And so hence the three common names that are attached to three different crops, corn, cotton, and tomatoes. And I think in researching this question, I found some articles that called it the tobacco budworm, but that common name is mostly attached to uh, Helicoverpa armidra, which is also known as the old world uh, bollworm. Uh, that's a, Armidura is, I think as of yet, not found in the United States. Uh, it, I think it has been, let me take a step back. I think it's been found in like shipping materials, but it is not established, not commonly, it's not found in the U.S. Uh, it is found in Brazil and is spread across the world. It's a terrific pest, but uh, the uh, H. zia, Helicoverpa zia, 
That's the one I think we mostly know around Iowa is the corn earworm. Is that fair to say? It's fair. Yeah, we don't have a lot of cotton in Iowa. I don't think we have any cotton in Iowa, do we? Not that I know of. Uh, I think there's a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. Could be. All right. I think, are you, you've nailed the last two fits. I think you're, you're batting over 500 for this season. Am I getting fit? Am I fit? So fit. Yeah. Nice job. Are there any other common names that you can think of that are attached to Zaya? I think uh, our friend Caitlin down south um, has noted it on hemp and is proposing, I think, like the hemp budworm. It's not, I think that might be used more locally. I don't know if it's really used beyond that, but she notices it most commonly on hemp. Interesting. I haven't seen it on hemp, but to be fair, I haven't seen a lot of hemp in Iowa. So it just may be that it hasn't found its way to feeding on hemp in Iowa. Perhaps. All right. Well, there we go. Are we done? Do we do it? This was a short episode. It was kind of short. Yeah. So we stretch it Even out with your know. random YouTube questions. Hey, we can only wish we would get a billion views. Maybe we can make that happen. You think we could get 20? Oh, wouldn't that be oh, double digits? We can dream. Yeah. Well, I think we can wrap this one up. All right. Thanks, Matt. See you next week. Bye.